Zero hours. Catherine Mather. Ow! Zero hours. Hello and welcome to Zero Hours Podcast with me, Catherine Mather, where I speak to comedians and other creatives about the terrible jobs that they've had to do to get by. Today, I am joined by a comedian and, again, have forgotten to ask what his day job is, <laughs> Rodri Buttrick. Oh, well, my, my day job is um, I work in an IT call centre oh, on cool. a university campus. I've been doing that about a year. Yeah, um, do you like it? I actually do, because I got a temporary contract and then I applied for a full-time one and if it was rubbish there's no way I would have done that yeah that's like signing up to a prison sentence if I didn't <laughs> like it but it, it's fun because they're all on it, we're basically it's us against the callers so yeah. everyone has to get along because <laughs> there's, there's so much going on and the IT department's kind of like the, the dumping ground for everything like we get phones phone call the worst phone call we got or the weirdest was someone phoned up to report a dead swan on campus <laughs> what? Uh, so we took it very seriously uh, if you try turning off and swan uh, <laughs> and after about half an hour of mucking about with his ticket a manager came and shouted at us and we then went and told the groundskeepers <laughs> um, oh poor swan what had it been killed or had it died of old age or I don't know I don't think we only we only skim read it <laughs> um, I think it might have just um, died of old age oh, um, I, I hadn't so. even paid back at student loan yet so the university were furious (laughs) 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 to be honest i don't think any of us will uh pay back our student loans do you you have confidence that you'll pay yours back i don't know i don't really it's not something i think about is it like i looked at my bank statement and the student loan company took 30 quid i was like whoa go buy yourself dinner (laughs) (laughs) doesn't really because my my generation don't have the interest that um, the younger lot do. Ah, so was it three grand a year? Yeah, when did when I graduate? Twenty? Oh no, it wasn't. I might not. Oh, twenty twelve. I graduated. Oh, okay. So I think it might have been. That's the only sentence you'll hear. Three grand followed by the word bargain, isn't it? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Just because they jacked it up so much, and now there's interest on student loans, which mm. is a problem because the longer you leave it, obviously the more the interest goes up. Whereas we didn't have interest on my my classes so uh, hurrah so if I'd have gone to uni when I was supposed to I'd have been in that bracket but I was like I'm not gonna go to uni I'm gonna make my way in the world and then I didn't and was like oh shit I need to go to uni Uh, and now I'm could have done my entire degree for what it cost me to do one year of no, degree. You're, you're paying for it or, or not, because like you said, you're not going yeah. to. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's really sweet you think I'm going to pay it back. <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's get into it, because uh, you like your job now. But yeah. what is the worst job that you've um, got? Worst job, probably. I've got two, I think, that spring to mind. My first job, when I was at university, I wanted to make a bit of money on the side, so I decided just get a shop job, and my... Mm expectations were like it'll be a bit dull but I like chatting to people and I'll do it. if I work really really hard they'll be nice to me so my expectations were quite realistic yeah so I worked at a uh, sports shop which has quite a direct approach I see um, yeah do they do big mugs yes uh, with, uh, branding <laughs> I, I wish I'd nicked one of those <laughs> um and everyone at this shop they moan about the customers being horrible but that's just that wasn't my issue my issue I thought they were all right I liked it when they used to send me up ladders to get bags down and stuff I used to (laughs) love going up ladders that was the best (laughs) bit about the job but the thing that was horrible was some not all but most of the managers were just absolute fascists (sighs) and the reason was because their bosses 
were evil so it was like a trickle down of evil because they were under loads of pressure like we'd have before the shift started the manager go right guys we are 12 pairs of socks behind uh, uh, the branch in Oxford and we need to really get selling guys I'd be like hang on I don't care I'm not on commission (laughs) your mind socks and how Uh, could you because I've been into one of these shops how could you possibly be going around going like socks (laughs) well apparently sock puppetry was not an appropriate sales technique (laughs) I suppose you have to open the packet, don't you, then, if you do sock puppets? True, I'd, I'd soiled their wares. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're wearing your own socks on your hands as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. Another thing that annoyed me, they used to, one of the particularly um, fascist managers would search you on the way out. And I said what? to him, what the heck am I going to... And the, the tracksuit uniform we had to wear didn't have pockets. Yeah. Just so you wouldn't nick stuff. So you had to leave your phone. They didn't have a locker for me, so I just had to pray that no one would nick my phone. Yeah. Um, luckily, the actual other staff were all right. Like, yeah. I didn't really have a problem with any of them. But like, I think, what the hell am I going to steal other than the glow sticks on the counter? <laughs> they were some yeah. glow sticks. I like them. And he just sort of gave me a very funny look and would always... <laughs> To see if I'd be nicking the glow sticks because oh, I don't do any sort of team sport like that. So there's no. nothing in there that is of any use to me. No, not a tennis ball or something. Yes, that's like I don't even have a dog that I could give that to. Yeah, there's, it's just like if I was going to steal from a shop, that wouldn't even be in the top twenty. Maybe yeah. I'd practice there because it's easy because <laughs> it's such a mess. Yeah, it's like someone threw. It's, it's packed like a warehouse rather than a shop. Yeah. And then they think, oh, hang on, we've got to have some customers in here. So they basically dig for all the tracksuits and carve some alleyways between all the <laughs> Adidas rubbish. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was pretty bad. And when I got out of university, um, I ended up in a small business mm. that was so small the directors made up two-fifths of the company. Really? And despite having no marketing experience and being very, very upfront about that, mm. I was made head of marketing. <laughs> Love it, yeah. <laughs> and it nice. was... They, they had a... And, like, I think the legitimate point I did make, I said, look, you've got a marketing problem here because the name of your company is an unpronounceable... Like, I think it was, like, a Norse name. <laughs> None of them were of that heritage. Yeah. They were all just English... <laughs> twits and it's just like and they were like oh well, well we've put a lot of thought in that name and like, okay well you did ask my opinion you're literally yeah. paying me to come up with this stuff <laughs> and, you, and you've re- rebucked the only decent thing of decent point I got to make yeah. and then like I feel like I was pushed out of that or let go because I didn't have a lack of because uh, I had a lack of experience and I was like well I did tell you so <laughs> yeah and I was meant to be trained up by someone yeah but this person was just an absolute disaster I'd phone them and they'd be like oh I'm walking the dog now I can't talk to you and then like she'd ha- she'd insist on having when she did come to the office she'd insist on having a meeting with me outside even though it was blowing a gale so of course oh. all the papers would just go over <laughs> I was like well I've been recruited into a farce <laughs> it was really odd and then when I was let go I was like couldn't you have waited half an hour because then I could have got the train now I've just got to, what am I meant to do for half an hour <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if I just stay in the office for half an hour Oh, you were. Oh man! So that was uh, how long were you there for then? Uh, 
It wasn't very long. It was only a couple of months or so, two, three months. Yeah. But it was just really odd. It was one of those jobs that it looks brilliant on paper because it looks mm. like I was going to learn something and, and go away better qualified and having be really good for the CV. Well, I'm glad I, I, it was good in a way because I needed the money, but also really not my confidence when going to jobs because I was totally yeah. honest with them. and I really did want to do a good job. I just didn't have any of the required... I did, did, I'd never done it before. I, I was 20 two and just got out of university yeah and my prior experience had been sports direct so like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and yes. I wasn't in the philosophy degree I did there wasn't a module <laughs> on marketing for startups no <laughs> <laughs> what would Plato have done <laughs> gone elsewhere I think I suppose it's weird because you would if you've been up front you would uh hope that they would knowing what the job is um know whether you were or not qualified in other areas. I think areas. in fairness to them they didn't quite know what they wanted and when right. and then they kind of realized a bit too late that maybe this wasn't such a bright <laughs> idea and really they probably needed to and then I and then like I don't know maybe they should have just spent a bit more money and got someone who knew what they were doing rather yeah. than getting in someone on a like a low-end grad salary. Yeah, if you pay peanuts, you get philosophy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that old idiom <laughs> or adage. <laughs> oh, so, what dear. was uh, what did you go into? What what was behind your choice of philosophy? It was the only thing I was any good at um, at school because I I was well still am uh, very dyslexic. So like I was awful at school with regards to maths. With regards to and the only thing I ended up being good at was. Um, I had to. I ended up actually. It was almost an accident doing philosophy at A level because I I was going to fail performing arts because <laughs> I'd been misled. They said the course. I'm very dyspraxic as well. So oh, I've got okay. no coordination. <laughs> I was good at acting and I was okay at. Uh, I was good at improvising and I was alright with that kind of stuff and I could do some of the tech things but mm-hmm. I can't play a musical instrument and yeah. dancing is, is, is a hazard uh, <laughs> and they misled me and told me that oh it's not dance it's just movement and uh, oh there's not much music in it and that those were two thirds of the course so I was go- I was going to fail that chemistry I said to the school oh is there much maths in chemistry I'm, I'm, I'm basically enumerate and they were like no not really of course chemistry I know now sound, I sound like an idiot but I know now there's a lot of maths in chemistry yeah. so, so the school we were oh, no, you'll be fine. And by fine, they meant a U or something. They were perfectly prepared for me to get a U. So I jumped ship very last minute to philosophy and ethics, taught myself a module by myself and caught up. That is what got me into university. So, like, I probably could have done English at university, but I don't think I would have enjoyed it. Yeah. I probably could have just about done history, but philosophy was really fun. It was three years of arguing. It's real real (laughs) broad. Every module is really different. It's such a broad discipline that you can't really get bored with it. Yeah, is it largely, because I was terrible at philosophy, I tried, <laughs> uh, and all of my friends were philosophers, because oh. uh, uh, I hung out with those guys, but I just, I could laugh, it just... You do leave knowing less. Yeah. And it teaches you the extent of our own limitations <laughs> and ignorance, but some of it's like medical ethics is like quite practical, or yeah. is it right to separate these two twins if one's definitely going to die, etc. There's that one really, really practical area, and then you go into the more abstract metaphysics, is there a soul, um, yeah. what's the definition, there's a philosophy of everything, there's even like a philosophy of, of science where how many times do you have to repeat an experiment uh, for it yeah. actually to be valid, falsification, and all that lot, so there's... Yeah. It's not all wacky. There is some wacky stuff in it. There's all like uh, 
if a tree falls over and all that stuff but it's not yeah. all like that some of it's you just got to pick what you like yeah that's true <laughs> it's I like suppose. music really isn't it yeah like why listen to spice girls if you don't like the spice girls yeah that's true i suppose that uh, why read um adorno if you don't like adorno yeah uh, there's enough out there yeah i suppose yeah at, uh, when you're doing it at school uh or a level or whatever it is very much picked for you isn't it really um what are you going to cover i studied politics hoping that it would help me with my political leaning and i left there going i have no idea <laughs> oh, i'm just more confused <laughs> yeah i wanted to be converted yeah. i wanted to join a cult <laughs> they're all good ideas until people get involved <laughs> <laughs> i think you've summed it up very well yeah. Yeah, i did a politics module as well um yeah it was that was that was interesting everybody um, ruins it by being selfish <laughs> yeah stop being naughty guys yeah that's the thing. but uh do, did you have any other terrible jobs or good um, jobs that ended up being bad uh, well my dream actually the job a terrible well might have been uh, I don't know if it was going to be a good job or a bad job because I never actually got it because I really I tried for a very long time in my final year mm-hmm. of university to get jobs in some of the big London ad agencies cool and I'd get and these are ludicrous the amount of rounds you have to go through and stuff yeah uh, basically someone in HR has watched The Apprentice and thought, oh, yeah, that looks fun. <laughs> and one interview, I was, got through to the final round, and nice. the interview went on for two days. What? They put you up in a posh hotel in Knightsbridge. You were divided into teams. Yes, we did all have wheelie suitcases. <laughs> um, and we had to do tasks. And it's just the amount of pressure. And this is for an account management job. You're not, and you had to pitch our advert ideas. And then the agency would, of course, just go with the idea it was, that was like the campaign they already had. So I was thinking, yeah. hang on a minute, you just gave, the MD just gave a speech <laughs> on how you want different thinkers and you've just given it to the team that copied your actual advert you just put on tv but you know what do i know uh, wow, that narcissism is the highest level it was crazy <laughs> like it was just so much pressure and then you actually like you went out for dinner and that was nerve-wracking because obviously you're just being scrutinized by the bosses yeah. see how you were like and stuff. it's just it's really it was exhausting and very stressful and in the end i just didn't 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 want it yeah, I imagine if that's what the interview process is like, the job would be a fucking nightmare, wouldn't it? Well, it's just, yeah, I think you would be just running around. I think you either love and embrace the culture in these places or you just find it over, a bit overwhelming. Because I never, mm. I, don't, I can't say if I'd enjoy it or not because I never got to do it. But also the job, inter- the job interview process just wasn't relevant. An account handler will never be asked to pitch an idea mm. for an advert. Yeah. And it's just like, also, I think I was going for the wrong jobs. That's not where my skills are. I'd probably be better off going for a more creative um, yeah. role. Um, but, you know, you, you live and learn. So th- really, I think I was really upset when I didn't get these jobs because mm. I'd, I'd watched a few series of Mad Men and genuinely, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I was addicted to that stupid programme. Like, I really thought it was going to be fun. And I thought, but maybe I dodged a bullet. Maybe it wasn't suited to me at all. Um, yeah. I always think with... Uh, jobs when you don't get them it is there's there's probably a reason uh and it yeah maybe it's sort of fit that it wasn't meant for you i did though get to do a corporate gig recently in an ad agency uh or a big london pr agency and it was so it was freaky because i going up in the lift i felt like i had a flashback to when i was doing these job (laughs) interviews and like my parents are really cool like they don't they never had a 
set goal for me but I think my dad might have been really pleased if I had got a job in one of these big agencies so after my set I took a selfie of me in the crowd <laughs> and sent a message going see dad I did work in a PR agency in a way <laughs> pretty soon for yeah. 15 minutes yeah the, the um that was the 10 spot actually <laughs> but like the the um the gig was just in front of the boardroom yeah uh, it's was, it was great fun so um, were they up for it yeah they were absolutely lovely i thought it was going to be a nightmare yeah uh, it was um oh, it was sam smedley if you know him ever bumped into him on the circuit um, his fiance works at works there so she'd asked him oh can you just do a comedy night because we've got like this thing called wellness week where one day we had a yoga coach yeah. and i think it'd be good to do and he planned it really well he gave it was only an hour long yeah. he was very careful who he put on and it was hard work because it obviously wasn't a comedy club. You were in someone's yeah. office and they drunk <laughs> quite a bit, but they were so nice. And I think what really made a difference, one of the directors sat in the second row yeah. and was really attentive. So I think they all followed his lead. I wonder yeah. if he hadn't been so up for it and nice, whether they would have then taken that as license to muck about. I yeah. only had to kind of rebuke one gaggle <laughs> of people for chatting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was it. Was surprisingly good, good fun, and uh, like I stayed after because there was an open bar, and they were just really nice and quite happy that it happened. Yeah. So was it in the evening then? Or yeah. They like going back to the yeah. Desk they'd, they'd um no, it was it was well they'd gone from their desk. There was an open bar at this agency on a right. Thursday. Oh my god. Because that's what PR and advertising like in London. So they left their desks, walked ten meters. And they yeah. have a comedy show put on for them, so they were loving it. <laughs> like, oh, that's amazing! Uh, yeah, those those were not the worst interview I had at an ad agency. They asked me, "What's your least favourite um, ad that you've seen?" Uh, and I talked about there's an oldie advert in which, for whatever reason, there's this weird old man putting on a pair of marigold gloves and comparing mm. prices. Yeah. And I just said, "I just think it's pervy and it creeps me out." <laughs> and uh, the bloke looked me dead in the eye. Goes, "That's my account." I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my coat. Did you keep on with the interview, or was that literally just? Well, yeah, no. I'm, I'm a professional. That'll do me time, won't I? <laughs> Same attitude to stand up, isn't it? You do your time, you get off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was. Uh, uh, oh no, I didn't lose anything. I think they paid for my train ticket. Oh, okay, so uh, I uh, gained nothing, but also lost nothing. Um, <laughs> except <day>. face. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so um. Well, yeah, what what about best jobs that you've had then? Well, like, my dream from when I was nine yeah. was to be on the radio. Yeah. That's because I wasn't particularly academic at school, and it was like a massive effort to get my A-levels and to get my degree. Mm. Uh, and I was just like, oh, the only thing I felt I was anywhere near competent was talking. Yeah. Um, and, like... <laughs> I really just wanted to be on the radio from when I was nine. Like I got to visit my local radio station, 210 FM it was back then. Yeah. Uh, the breakfast shop guy Harris just let me in when I was like <laughs> 10 to, to watch him do the show. And I was just, Honestly. I couldn't believe it. Like this, this one <laughs> bloke standing in this room with a microphone surrounded by computers yeah. and the whole of Berkshire was hanging on this bloke's every word. Cause he was a proper local celebrity. Everyone yeah. loved him. If he turned up with a, the uh, they used to call them the black funders they were these big four by fours and the, you'd have pr people hand out um mugs and whatnot if and everyone would come and see him like he was yeah. a proper local celeb so i thought this Aww. is incredible so i wanted to do that yeah and at the same time I, I, I was going for those jobs in ad agencies so i thought i'd need some money while i try to get my act together and there's radio stations in london so if i could pay to live in london i'd have a better chance but then that yeah. plan went awry um and so I ended up just working on the radio. I, there was a radio station, it's gone now, unfortunately, called Reading 107 in, in yeah. Reading. And I was emailing, I'd recorded a demo because I'd been yeah. doing hospital radio since I was mm, 16. 
Um, nice. So I recorded my demo there, and they ignored me. Aww. I emailed, emailed, ignored me. Phone and phone and phone. The MD was never around. Yeah. Phone and phone and phone. So on the way back from a holiday, and it was it was a weird radio station. This it was in the Medeski Stadium, the football stadium in Reading, yeah. just under the seats, little set of offices and there's oh, two wow. studios. And um, we were driving past the stadium with my mum and dad because we'd come back from a holiday in Wales. And I was like, Mum, um, Dad, do you mind just uh, dropping me off at the stadium a minute? I've got something I need to do. And they were like find what <laughs> question it they dropped Go me on, off I, I said I'll, I'll be five minutes yeah and i buzzed the instagram going oh i'm here to see you um gavin his name was yeah and like the receptionist went come in door clicked <laughs> i was like no they've let me in oh my goodness and i walked into the reception and down the stairs the md came the program controller i'd given his proper title yeah. um he came down the stairs totally confused was too because these guys are really overworked so he probably yeah. hadn't even read any of my emails certainly didn't know who i was and he was very confused so we had this really awkward conversation <laughs> and then i left thinking oh well at least i tried um because yeah. i'd feel worse if i hadn't if i hadn't had the guts mm. and then what I didn't know was his boss had been pressuring him to get more local voices on the station. Nice. And by the time I got home, I got an email saying, all right, then how about Saturday nights? Oh. I was like, ah, oh, so my, my little show was 6pm till 9pm on Reading 107. Yeah. Um, and like, that was so cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I remember my first show, I was just left. They didn't show me how to use the desk or anything. I was absolutely <laughs> really? terrified. Um, and weird enough, Steve Ann Allen, comic who's now on the MASH report, mm-hmm. he was doing drive time or covering for drive time. And he was so nice. He stayed behind his shift, said, oh, I'll just write some jokes and I'll just I'll keep an eye on you and make sure you don't break anything. Aww. And he did. He stayed for the first hour of my show and then drove off to goodness knows where to go close a comedy club. Yeah, Because I was so scared. I was so nervous because like... And I really thought if I'd mess this up, they'd never let me on. There's probably very mm. few people listening, but it's just like still, it's a proper radio station. It's on FM. People yeah. in the town know about it. And I didn't, I'd never been shown how to use the <laughs> desk. Um, so that was, that was really exciting. Yeah. Um, but you don't really get much for that. So I had to get jobs around the radio station. Mm. Uh, a bloke called Stu helped me do voiceovers and taught me to write radio ads. So some yeah. of those annoying ads, uh, some of them, especially up north for whatever reason, a lot yeah. of those are mine still knocking about. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, you'll be <laughs> grinning from ear to ear when you visit Clacton Pier. That yeah. was one of mine. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why they gave me money for that in hindsight. <laughs> uh, could have done it themselves. We're always quoting that one up north. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the famous one in Reading is uh, for better be- um, beds at better prices. Come to Reading Bedding, and it's been going for like thirty years, and it's yeah. like the most famous ad in Berkshire. <laughs> but so then I I used to flog radio ads down the phone, just mm-hmm. cold call companies, and try sell them radio ads that I didn't enjoy. Yeah. But that uh, was really hard work. But I'm glad I did it because now. I don't mind being on the phone and that's mm. my job now. And at least now with my job in the IT call centre, people are calling me and they want to talk to me. Yeah. So it gave me confidence, but it was really scary. And the day just drags. Like you go at 11 o'clock and make yourself a coffee thinking, I've got to do all these calls this afternoon. Yeah. And like, I like the people I was working with and they really helped me out, but it was a hard, I just found it really hard. And like, I just felt like I was, I'm not naturally a pushy salesperson. So I felt like I was kind of, prank calling people yeah and it's um I think it's scary not being able to see people's faces isn't it and the unknown like yeah. you have no idea who you're people are ruder to. to you on the phone than they are face to face yeah 
because they can be. I had to yeah. do a similar thing selling um, a kids' play centre like spots at it or whatever. And I, oh god, I just hated myself for it. Just, oh, it's gross, isn't it? But um, yeah, it's not a nice job. But how did the? Um, how long were you with? I was there for a few years, and I also ended up, uh, the owner of the station was someone called Sir John Medeski, who, yeah. uh, owner of Reading Football Club, basically Mr. Reading, basically owns most of Reading. Yeah. He's, and he, after not really doing much with the radio station, he kind of bought it and just let mm. it run itself. Yeah. Um, he suddenly got talked into doing his own radio show, yeah. where he'd interview celebrities and local people. And his producer didn't turn up. Yeah. So I got a phone call. Oh, can you come to the station? I was like, yeah, all right. And like, <laughs> that was me for the next two years or so. I have yeah. to edit the interviews, write him questions. And sometimes they'd get proper celebrities. Like we had Chris Tarrant on. We had oh, cool. Michael Parkinson. And then the next week, he'd be interviewing the chairman of Reading Buses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like the local funeral director. Such a mixed bag. It was so bizarre. And also like <laughs> this bloke is mega famous in in reading uh and if you're a reading football fan like everyone knows who he is and also he's the one that get, he was by he was chancellor of the university and he yeah. was the one that gave me my degree oh, at graduation so all of a sudden <laughs> i was working for him and it was just and it was really weird the whole of Medeski stadium green park business park around there it just used to be a rubbish dump and then john Medeski comes along buys it and he spends most of his time living up in the penthouse in the hotel opposite so he's like this mad king ruling over this <laughs> chunk of reading he just decided to build like and he's got his own little radio station that he goes down and plays with and then he goes back to his penthouse and then he goes watches a football game in his stadium <laughs> so it's like it's like working under some some strange ruler <laughs> like it was really bizarre and i had to do all this to do small talk with him i'd always try and work out what um what the scores were and like uh, brush up on reading trivia (laughs) so i could actually talk to him um but that was that was bizarre that was very bizarre but um so when you got your uh your first saturday night there there's three hours how did you go about putting it together because i mean I'm, i'm from hospital radio i'm assuming you had some skills there. yeah and i've been on I'd won awards for Hospital Radio and I'd done... Well done. Thank you. I'd run, uh, <laughs> run one. I'd done um, student radio. I used to yeah. do breakfast show at Reading. So, like, it's like preparing for stand-up. Like, you know how many times... You're told how many times you went to talk an hour. Yeah. And so you just write a note, buy it. I'd write how I'm getting in and how I'm getting out of the link, as they call it. Yeah. So it would be stupid anecdotes. It would kind of just be like, sometimes I'd do a phone-in. And, like, they were really quite strict with me to begin with, and they used to do what were called snoop sessions, where you'd sit yeah. down in the studio and the programme controller would play back your links to you and critique you. Oh, God, that sounds horrendous. And, they, <laughs> and he'd say stuff like, well, you know, you've got to talk as if uh, naturally as if you're down the pub with your mates. And I was thinking, if I'm with my mates, why would I be saying, coming up next, more feel-good music <laughs> on your feel-good music station, Reading 107? Because you have to get all these strap lines in. Yeah. Uh, and all these, and also, like, I don't think I was, I'd be allowed to drink on a radio station, whereas in a pub, no. that's what you'd say. They all say, got to be with your mates. And you're like, well, it's the most unnatural force thing ever. Yeah. And gradually, when they were going to be rebranded as another station, they kind of lost interest in me. So I kind of did whatever I wanted for three hours. And I, I'd do stupid phone-ins. 
friends. Yeah. Um, I had one of my mates phone me up and try to talk me into hosting a house party for the whole town. <laughs> we were just really silly. And yeah. like that, those were the nicest bits of radio I did. And then yeah. that radio station, they got rid of everyone bar a bre- breakfast presenter. Mm. Then I moved to a radio station in Basingstoke called The Breeze, where mm. I only went in there to audition for travel news. But then I ended up... Um, cover presenting so I, my minimum work I do drive time travel shift reading travel news which is hilarious because I can't drive <laughs> and then I'd I'd present shows if a, someone went off sick or like no one wants to work um New Year's Day so yeah. I'd be on air for five hours on New Year's Day yeah um I'd, I'd love it uh, yeah. and the station was hidden up above uh festival place shopping center in Basingstoke in fact they yeah. just got bought out last week by another company so uh. um they're there they're not here anymore but mm. I was there for a while mm. and I got to host music festivals for them and all sorts yeah oh mm. that does sound like the dream yeah, <laughs> that's great. So, uh, yeah, would you say that's that's one of the best jobs then? It was. Yeah. Past tense, was. Oh. It's not paid very well. You're yeah. self-employed. Ah. Um, and as the station, they network the, the drive time show, they, they just beam that out from their HQ in Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, so suddenly a big chunk of my income just disappeared because the show that I covered for, because like radio, if you own five stations why pay five presenters when you just have one presenter going out on all of them? Yeah. And radio is increasingly competitive and harder to make money. And like stuff like that would happen. And like at one point I had a full-time-ish job where Mm. I'd work in Southampton as a producer on the mid-morning show. And then I'd commute to Basingstoke from Southampton, do the drive time (laughs) travel news shift. And then I'd go back to Reading. Yeah. Wow. I'd be, and then on top of this, I was trying to do stand up. Yeah. And it just became, and eventually, because you're self employed, they can say, oh, by the way, tomorrow's your last day. Damn. And I was like, no security. No, because they had a new boss, and the boss that was giving me all this stuff kind of, they, they put in another boss as well who basically had the same job as him. Mm. And like, no one really knew what was going on. Yeah. And one of the, like, a really nice news editor tipped me off that, that I sort of knew what was going on because I was kind of quite aware. Yeah. And he phoned me just to warn me. And I feel bad in hindsight. I just said to him, because he didn't know I couldn't drive. He'd only met me face to face once. And I said yeah. to him, oh, no, do you think I shouldn't have put that down payment on that Jag? <laughs> and he nearly dropped the phone. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so then that finished. Yeah. And then I ended up reading travel news uh, for a company in Farringdon mm. where uh if you don't have your own travel news presenter like the bbc local station will dial into this office in farringdon yeah. where there'll be some there'll, there'll be loads of little booths it's like battery hen farming for travel news yeah and you sit in a booth <laughs> and one minute you're reading for bbc northampton next you're on like time fm in romford and yeah. you're just doing station after station after station all over the country yeah and it's just relentless Damn. And I'm not very good at sight reading. Yeah. I could get away with it in Basingstoke because I knew the roads, but yeah. I don't know. I don't think being dyslexic and reading travel news is a great combination, no. but I could <laughs> I could do it because I knew the local areas. Yeah. I, I lived around there for ages and I, I, it was just easy to get used to it. And I could look at the shape of the map and I'd know that was Worting Road. So I wouldn't yeah. have to actually sight read. Yeah. But if they put me on a new area, I'd really struggle. Yeah. And then with this other company, you just it was too broad if they just kept me and you kept on having to do more and more like if they just kept me on three areas I probably would have been all right but the trouble is 
they had so many stations to service like it was a waste it would be a waste of time just having me into eventually yeah. I left doing that because I couldn't and I was like I, I went on I then spent my savings on a holiday to see my mate in Thailand nice. I generally thought I was I thought I was screwed I thought yeah. well, I'm absolutely buggered I'm gonna come back home to nothing and I'd, I'd still live with my parents at the time because I'd never even when you have okay months with radio but yeah. I never have the confidence to move out just in case I lost my job or couldn't make enough money yeah. and have to move back in again so I was too scared to move out and so I was just came back from Thailand I thought I'm screwed and I honestly couldn't imagine having a job and yeah. I couldn't really do stand-up because it was expensive. And also, even if I could do, like, a, even if I did go do it, I'd feel guilty because I really should be out there getting a job, not just living with my parents. So yeah. I, I was, it was just really, really, I was, I was really miserable. Um, and then I ended up with my job now. Yeah. And that allows me, it's weird, like, suddenly having a nine-to-five, it sounds like a lot of com- comedians dread it, going, oh, no, it'll ruin my life. It's not what yeah. I'm meant to do. I'm an artist. But... Being chained to a desk nine to five, or those equivalent, is so liberating because I get holiday pay. Never got mm-hmm. that, so I can afford to go to Edinburgh, whereas before I couldn't. Yeah. Um, and like I get sick pay. I've never had you. People just used to work sick all the time in radio because otherwise they wouldn't get paid. So then yeah. everyone would get sick. It was yeah. crazy. So like, and now I can afford to do comedy without feeling guilty. And I've moved out, so I can I pay rent and there's as long as I can manage my finances, I don't feel like it's an indulgent or stupid thing to do. Yeah. And uh, I can run a comedy club as well. So it's like... <laughs> that's good. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it, like the, that's the thing that I was saying. I've, I've never done a nine to five before, but it's um, like it just financially liberating, isn't it, really, being able to not sort of be constantly worrying about where the next payment's coming from. It's, uh, it's handy because yeah now I, I can actually enjoy stand up and not yeah. not beat myself up because I'm not making loads and loads of money off it and yeah. like and the less I worry about those sort of implications the more I actually enjoy doing it and the better I get as an act so it's kind of a what's the opposite to a vicious cycle a, a uh, kind cycle a joyous cycle, a joyous cycle. <laughs> um, do you view the comedy club as a job as well I have it? to because it's it's a fun job yeah. Uh, although a lot of it's quite boring because it involves spreadsheets. Yeah. But that's that's it's a job in the sense that it's something routine. And you yeah. know, I do the same thing every month. I always make the poster on that day, put mm-hmm. it on the listings website. Then I need to. But the but the nice thing about that, like I do earn a bit of money from it. Yeah. But it's not a life changing amount. So if I if I suddenly had enough and I I walked out and stopped doing it. I wouldn't be thrown out my house because yeah. my day job pays for it. So That's like good. now it's a conscious choice and doing it because I want to do it. And it's just fun. I like it when the horrible bits are when a headliner drops out last minute and you have to yeah. scrabble around phoning everyone to try and get someone suitable. But like if you've got, I'm, I'm booking a couple of months ahead now and I think I can sit there and it's like being a child in a sweet shop. You think, oh, well, I'm going to have that one. And then, oh, if I put that one line of comic next to next to that storyteller, they'll both complement each other's styles. And then you think, oh, that's unusual. Let's put that on. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just <laughs> exciting, just building a show. And I love the whole like the whole managing a format of a show. We're going to have the way we put the breaks. Yeah. Um, it's the whole running of the thing is fun. And then some nights I get to MC it, and that's mega exciting because I'm like, um, and it's lovely 
the proudest nights when you'd sit in the lighting booth and you look out and it's a 50 seater room so it's not massive it's not live at the apollo but still like Big enough like they turned up and like it's nice thinking oh i put them here that's nice yeah. and the acts and the best nights are when the acts are happy and the crowd are happy and the venue are happy so it's mm-hmm. like just doing a good thing i think it's nice yeah. Yeah, I was there last year, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed yeah, it was it. August, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it's a long time ago. I know. Oh, forever ago. But um, I think we're almost uh, at our time. Uh, this is going to be going out in April. This is April edition. So uh, is there anything that you would like to plug? That Ooh, let me think. Can't be topical. Yeah, I mean, you can... I've got one more weird job. I can oh, do this very job. quick. Well, it's, it's job, there are loads of weird jobs that I ended up doing in radio. I ended up working on the Jeremy Vine show. Oh, sweet. Um, Call-in topical news show. Yeah. And sometimes you'd be doing like really horrible cases, like the, the Baby P case. They oh, spent a lot gosh. of time. Really horrible stuff. Uh, yeah. but sometimes they just do mad stuff like i remember they did the phoning topic have you ever been hit by a golf ball <laughs> and i spent most of my time i'd either be pitching ideas for shows and then went for, for items yeah. in the meetings and then when i wasn't doing that i'd be manning the phones yeah. down the call center that pit <laughs> which was down on the third floor the, the studios were up on the sixth floor yeah and the topic was have you ever been hit by a golf ball because there was this one bus stop that they had to close because it was by a golf course and everyone was getting knocked out by these golf balls. Yeah. Um, and so they just said that and the phones went absolutely berserk and there was really? a producer in charge of the, the bus lot yeah. and the phone, the, the studio phoned down to this producer and he just, I could hear him yelling, yes, yes, I've got hundreds of people. They've all got hit by golf balls. None <laughs> of them are interesting. What the fuck do you expect me to do? <laughs> and they had to fill the segment somehow. <laughs> it, was just, it was just pandemonium. And like you'd have lulls, and then suddenly something <laughs> mad would happen like that. Um, and you'd get a lot of. Uh, I remember the Scottish independence um, yeah. thing. I'd love answering the phones for that was brilliant because you just got. It's mostly truck drivers that listen to Jeremy Vine. Yeah. So you'd you just hear these men. You pick up the phone. You go, "Hello, Radio Two, Jeremy Vine Show. How can I help?" You'd hear this man bellowing into his hands free kit at high speed on the motorway going no we don't need Scotland cut them off put them in the sea no I don't need them no we're not haggis so uh, that was fun and that probably helped me with my current call centre job yeah um, but, but yeah I'd, I'd, I'd be annoyed if I hadn't shared that that silly bit yeah um, no I'm glad you did uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah have you ever been hit by a golf ball no, no I've come, come close. I, I, I walked through a golf course uh, by mistake uh, near oh, Three Fifths Bay in South Wales, uh, yeah. but I, I got away with it. Yeah, unscathed. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, plug that is non-topical. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, mention something now if you're doing something good and we can all listen back to it and be like, oh my God, do you well, remember? you build tardises, or they yeah. tardi, is that the plural? Um, I don't know, to but be you could sell them that and they could time travel back to it. But yeah. best thing to do, go to <laughs> rodders.com, R H O D E R S.com. All my gigs are listed there. Uh, there's also a podcast where I interview people such as Catherine, who have done my comedy club, and there's videos and all sorts of nonsense up there as well. And if you type in Rodders but spell it with a H, then on Twitter and, and Facebook, I, I'm normally uh, doing silly things on there uh, mm-hmm. for people's amusement. So, yeah. And of uh, course, Stand and Deliver Comedy Club. Yes, yeah. If you go to facebook.com forward slash Stand and Deliver Comedy Night, shows every month, and uh, a great time is had by all. 
Yeah, and you will have that song in your head all the time. Yeah, that is the uh, the, the drawback of that show. <laughs> <laughs> the only drawback, and it isn't a bad one, really. Excellent. <laughs> so thank you for, oh, no uh, thank you for, having me on. for speaking to us.